Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching the 105th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Uh, today we got a bunch of news. We got Jeff Teat has been announced that he's going to return to Cornell for his super senior year. So we'll talk about that a little bit. PLL has chosen to host their championship series or whatever the heck it's called in Utah. So that's great. Just a little bit of more good news as we approach that season starting and we we get back to some some lacrosse action. And then I want to talk about, I'm going to do a series here over the next couple of videos where there's not a lot of news where I talk in depth about kind of some player profiling that we're going to do. So uh, I'm going to go by, uh, by, not by position necessarily, but by strength. So in this one, I'm picking my two favorite PLL offensive players. Uh, in the next video, we'll do maybe defensive players, midfielders, things like that. We'll, we'll do it positionally by scoring. And I picked the top two point scorers that I just happen to also enjoy watching play uh, Matt Rambo and uh, Tommy Schreiber. So we're going to talk about those. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like and subscribe. Like the video for sure. Just hit the like button. That helps us grow. Subscribe. That obviously is huge for us. We're approaching 9,000 subscribers. Uh, we would be way over 10,000 right now if it wasn't for the cancellation of the season. So help us get to that 9,000 subscriber plateau. Just like and subscribe. That's easy. And then you can hit the notification button also so you're notified when we put out more videos and you can actually find them. And as always, go to laxfactor.com. You can get swag. We have hats, t-shirts polos, you name it. You can get shirts and, and all sorts of swag related to the podcast and then stuff that's not related to the podcast as well. So let's get into this. We have a quote from new head coach, new uh, Cornell head coach, Connor Busick. Uh, and I quote, we are thrilled that Jeff will be returning to Cornell next season. Uh, he is a generational talent that makes everyone around him better, as well as an incredible teammate that works diligently both on and off the field. His leadership will be a great benefit for our entire program, and we couldn't be more excited that he will be in red for one more season. Now, that's the truth. All, all true. And Busick has to be pumped to be able to retain the services of Teat for one more season. He doesn't get him in the fall. He's, he's going to have to do that weird, um, the weird where he withdraws from school in the fall, and then he comes back in the spring to finish his degree. But he was listed as as the only senior out of the 12 that wasn't going to take part in Cornell's graduation ceremony. So I honestly got this one wrong. There was a part of me that felt Teat was probably going to end up going pro. I thought he'd end up taking either MLL or PLL's invite, and uh, he would play with one of those organizations. And then I figured he'd end up being a, a pimp daddy in the NLL. Not so. He's coming back to Cornell for another year. I wonder if that played, if he was kind of like, hey, let's take that shot. If uh, if it works out, he'd come back. If it didn't, maybe he would have gone pro. Uh, it would have been really weird to see him transfer someplace. I would have liked to have seen where that place would have been, or I would like to pick his brain to find out if he was going to transfer or if he was forced to based on this Cornell decision, um, where where he would have been looking. But he's never going to tell anybody that, not, at, not now at least. The the other Ivy League schools kind of screwed the pooch on this one. I know they think, hey, we're these big academic institutions and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Cornell took care of their athletes. The other schools, it's not that they didn't take care of their athletes. I mean, they're there for school. But, but these other schools, it's, you know, it doesn't look good for them. And I'm wondering if that's going to play in the recruiting. I wonder if a kid comes down to Yale and Cornell, if he picks Cornell because he knows they have a past of taking care of their players in a way that some of the other Ivies haven't. So that's cool. Just, 
I can't say enough good things about Teat, though. Anybody who's watched or listened to the program, they know that I'm a big fan of Jeff Teat. He's a 3X All-American. He was a, a an honorable mention All-American in 2017, and then he was a first-team All-American in 2018 and a second-team in 2019. Either way, the kid's an All-American talent. Once you get to the D1 level, they give out few enough All-Americans that one through three – you know, the guys that are usually one usually deserve it. There's always guys that are, are second team All-Americans that could very easily be first team All-Americans. And then the thirds could be interchangeable with the seconds typically and sometimes even the first. So I typically just quote kid was an All-American, even the honorable mention. I count that and count. So, you know, three X All-American, he would have been a four time All-American by the end of it. 3X All-Ivy, he was a first team the last two years, and he was a unanimous first team selection, which is a big deal in the Ivy. Uh, In the shortened 2020 season, 12 goals, 15 helpers, 27 points, and uh, one of just two Cornell uh, players, one of just two players in Cornell history to post three straight 30-goal, 30-assist seasons, and I would think that the other person to do that would either be Pinnell or maybe McEnany, but I'm saying I'm thinking it's probably Rob Pinnell that pulled that feed off as well. He surpassed Eamon McEnany uh, from the 77 team, the late great Eamon McEnany, for third all-time in Big Red history and career points with 268, also sitting third in the Cornell record books and career assists with 152 and ninth in career goals with 116. So the fact that this kid is a, a generational talent, it, it goes without saying. The kid is, he's at Absolutely incredible, a great player, a fierce competitor, uh, and just an absolute he's he's kind of a little bully, I feel like. I feel like the dude's got some swag, the dude's willing to scrap, the dude, you know, he he does a lot of these really little things that most attackmen don't do. You, you see guys, um the uh, Notre Dame, uh, what was it? I'm drawing a total blank here right now on uh, Ryder Garnsey. You see Ryder Garnsey get a lot of print for being a tough-as-nails attackman that does little things, picks up ground balls, and Jeff Teat is every bit that type of player. I posit Jeff Teat, though, might be just a little bit better, although Garnsey is going to have something to say about that, and I don't blame him. So great, great, great news for Cornell. Great news for upstate New York lacrosse fans because Teat gets to be in my backyard for one more one more season, and I'll get to make sure to go see him, hopefully, assuming we have freaking lacrosse and uh, fans and all that stuff. But it's good news for Cornell, good news for the lacrosse community as a whole. The other news we had here coming out today, and you can see I didn't put out an episode last week because what the heck was I going to talk about last week? There was no no news. There wasn't even really crazy transfer news. Ooh, let's throw this one out. Crazy transfer news. Um, uh, Duke attackman, CJ Carpenter, is ditching the Duke. He, I believe he graduated. He's going to do a graduate year somewhere else now. I was wondering if that was going to start happening because that attack started to look really crowded. With some of the young guys coming in, we have a transfer coming in, and and pretty much everybody else seemed to be returning, and then you had Sowers to the mix. So I was thinking that that attack line was starting to get really crowded, and a lot of people were saying, who's going to get left out? Who's going to be maybe the fourth guy that gets just a little bit of burn? Who maybe gets bumped to midfield? That first midfield line was struggling, so they could have used maybe a little bit of attack-based offensive infusion in that first line, albeit maybe they could get their crap together for the 2021 season. And that second midfield line was owning stuff uh, for Duke. So CJ Carpenter announces he's entering the transfer portal. That's kind of kind of a big deal. Uh, someone's going to pick up a very solid, super senior veteran attackman that has a lot of really good experience. 
Back to the PLL now. So we're going to talk about Matt Rambo and Tommy Schreiber. First, just the news that the PLL announced that they were going to do this tournament. They're going to go storming with the Mormons in Utah, and they're going to rock the PLL tournament in Utah, I believe at the at the University of Utah or whatever the hell that's called. Great facilities there. More importantly, it's going to play really well on TV. It is a great view. I remember in fall ball when they or no in the early spring when they first got back out in the field some of the views that they were sending out of Utah whoever it was taking those pictures and putting those up on social media knew what they were doing because the views from the field at field level with the mountains behind it as the sun was going down it is going to be a beautiful landscape for some lacrosse especially absent the fans it kind of makes up for the lack of fans with the view one of the things i was curious about is as things start opening back up and Utah pretty is pretty um, pretty loose in terms of, you know, very libertarian in terms of a lot of their laws. I'm, I was curious if they would end up having fans at the game in some capacity if, if it ended up being allowed. I know this whole thing initially was just no fans, you know, quarantine tournament, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that is still the plan, but I, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as we, we still have a lot of time for things to change. So I'm wondering if at some point maybe they do say, hey, let's open it up for a limited number of fans social distance, put tape around the seats, all that good stuff. But that was big news, and we're a little bit closer to having some pro lacrosse to watch. Next up, we have uh, PLL top returning guys. So in this kind of little chat here that I want to do, I'm really just going to profile a couple of players that I enjoy watching in the PLL because we have nothing else to really talk about, no news. Uh, So the, the strength of the PLL is the showcase and, and the effective job they did of, of putting, you know, the, the lights on the players. And no player, I think, in PLL did as well with that outside of Trevor Baptiste, because Baptiste had a couple of really funny moments when he was mic'd up, and I, I really dug those. But Matt Rambo, I think, was one of the biggest beneficiaries of this kind of close inside on the field look at the players, mic and players up so you can hear what they're talking about, unfiltered more often than not. So Mr. MVP, he scored the game winner in the inaugural PLL championships. He put up 19 goals, 23 assists for 42 points on the season. So that was a big deal. 28% shooting percentage, which sounds low if you're a college across fan because they tend to be a little bit more disciplined. But what I saw was the PLL, a lot of those guys are hanging in the 25 to 33% range or whatnot. So that's an average shooting percentage, but only... 20 turnovers, despite the amount of, of burn or not burn, but despite the amount of time this guy spends with the ball in a stick, 20 turnovers. He's a very efficient player. That's actually a pretty good number. Nine GBs, not a threat there, partly though, because he doesn't turn the ball over a lot of attackmen that end up with a lot of GBs are getting GBs because they're getting stripped and they're picking the ball up or their buddies getting stripped and they're picking the ball up. Does a bit of everything, but functions most effectively as a bully dodger. He is a meatball dude is short, strong, but athletic is all get out. He does not play like a, a, a squatty, you know, built like a brick shit house type attackman. Guy, he'll score on dive goals. He, he's like, he's legit old school air gate. I even saw him bust out in one of his highlight uh, reels from behind the cage. He's got surprising hops for just a little guy. He scored, uh, scores 15. He's a uh, an aggressive dodger. He'll he'll take that 15 seconds with the ball in his stick to dodge up the alley, back down, to rock him back in, try to get into the middle of the field. The guy will dodge hard. 
But there's a lot of guys that would dodge like that. You know, Lyle Thompson was one of those. Connor Fields is one of those guys. The difference with Rambo is Fields is kind of an American, I'd say native Canadian hybrid in the way he dives. You look at the way Lyle dodges, his dodge is very native style in the sense of how he carries a stick, a lot of two hands on the stick, a lot of really fancy and highly technical stick protection like almost like a keep away that Lyle used to play. And Con- you could tell Connor Fields picked up on a lot of that and carried a lot of that after his freshman year of playing with Lyle into his game. But Rambo is a fully American style uh, attacker in the sense that his dodging is a lot of dropping, dropping to one hand, arm up, uh, and, and a lot of just mixing up, dropping to one hand, coming in, getting two on the stick. So he mixes it up, but he, he, he looks like a, an, an American Dodger, slow plotting dodges that wear guys down, a lot of leaning into guys, a lot of bullying and pushing into guys, but surprisingly quick and agile on his feet. You know, he'll inside roll someone and then bust the dive out also. So you got to watch out for him. Defenders have to respect him. He draws a boatload of double teams because of his heads up dodging capability, because he does carry the ball for a long time. When you're willing to to dodge and re-dodge and re-dodge and finally you get a step, the defense is eventually going to come. Or I think one of the reasons he's such an efficient feeder is that he holds the ball so much and kind of wears the defense down mentally to the point that that guy waiting to slide eventually is like, screw it, man, I'm just going. Or they go halfway or they end up watching him too much and it frees guys up on the backside. Enough cannot be said. The, the, the point total that he has, the point totals that he put up do not do him justice in terms of what he does on the field. He truly is Mr. MVP in my book in the PLL. Incredible player to watch. And if you're an attackman, especially if you're a short squatty attackman, watch this guy play. But every attackman, especially American style players, should watch this guy play and try to try to borrow uh, from him and, and try to borrow from him as much as you can. Uh, great at question mark dodges simply because he's a, a a good body, has a good body with a good force, and he doesn't get pushed off the off his spot. But overall, Matt Rambo deserved the MVP. He deserves all the accolades and the attention that he that he he's gotten so far. Uh, let's see what else I had on here. Da, 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 da. I did that. Patient and efficient. That was one of the things I didn't. I touched on briefly, but not enough. He's patient and efficient with the ball. So as I said, considering how much he touches the ball, the fact that he his turnovers aren't higher is it says a lot about him as a player. Because with the high assist numbers, a lot of times guys end up with high assist numbers. They also end up turning the ball over at a huge clip because they're taking a lot of chances. In his case, I think what I talked about where his ability to be big and not get pushed off his spot his ability to protect his stick, his his willingness to drop down to one hand, but his quick hands get that to get those two hands back on his stick quick and allow him to feed, and the fact that he holds the ball. I think a lot of his assists come late in his possessions, where it's like, hey, I just dodged, re-dodged, dodged, re-dodged, and now as I'm fading back to X to maybe re-dodge again, boom, somebody's open, hits him, they score. So he's super efficient considering the amount of touches he gets, and that just it just makes your offense that much better. No wonder. They won the championship. And then he's a great leader. Great leader. Fun to watch play. Fun to listen to him talk. It just He seems to be a, a good locker room guy, a la like a Pat McAfee kind of fellow. Um, I, I just picture him being a fun guy to be around. So you can't... Those types of guys, those kind of rah-rah guys, those guys, it's easy for a, a locker room to kind of get on, get on, on board with them. So you, like I said, can't say enough about him. Incredible, incredible lacrosse player, incredible talent, and the PLL is stupid lucky to have him. Now, the other guy I want to talk about, 
Tommy Schreiber, now a different player. Uh, Rambo was the leading scorer in the league. Tom Schreiber was the second leading scorer in the league. But Schreiber was the second leading scorer in the league as a midfielder. Schreiber is the best midfielder in the world. The Archers have an incredible player in Schreiber. Big, strong, athletic, high IQ, a leadership guy, a guy that everybody looks up to both physically and emotionally. 17 goals, 18 assists, and 37 points in 10 games. Did get injured, I think, in that last game, or maybe it was in the playoff game. I can't remember. He jacked up his shoulder. Uh, 28% shooting percentage, similar to Rambo. And um, did I just say Rambo? Who was I talking about above? Oh, okay. I was talking about Rambo. <laughs> Man, I'm having a brain fart here. First first show back in a while. Um, yeah, 28% shooting percentage. And his shooting percentage was the same one point as it was from two points. He was uh, two of seven for two pointers on the season for 28% there. And then 28% overall as a shooter. 22 turnovers and nine ground balls. I mean, come on. Guy puts up 37 points from the midfield. Eight of the nine top scorers uh, were attackmen. Schreiber is number two in the league in points from the midfield. That is a big deal. The second highest scoring mid beyond him is the 10th leading scorer in the league in Jake Fricaro, and he's got 27 points. So Schreiber, 10 points more than Fricaro. That's good enough to put him up at uh, second in the PLL in scoring. He's just too much to handle. He's just way too much. Perfect blend of high IQ, athleticism, and size, and he has incredible stick skills and control of his stick. He's just he's competent in all aspects of the of offensive gameplay. He he's a heads up dodging midfielder, obviously as outlined by his high assist numbers. A true triple threat. He can dodge and create his own offense. He can score and he can feed. So everything he's a triple threat. It, it, you don't get that too often where you get a midfielder who's as productive as an attackman. And in the pro league, you do a little bit more, but he's the midfielder that's more productive than all of the other guys compared to all of these incredible attackmen that, you know, a lot of them are considered the best in the world. And, and as, as we talk about the too much to handle, Oh no, I just said that one. And then one of the things I love about Schreiber is he can shoot spot shoot. He can shoot on the run, shoot in the dodge. He can dodge into the middle of the field. He can handle you down the alley. The thing that I was the most impressed about with Schreiber in the first in the inaugural PLL season was his feeding ability. And I'm not talking dodging, seeing a guy open, hitting him, score. I'm talking two instances in particular that I did cover during the PLL season where he's kind of dodging wide down the alley, might not even be trying to go to the rack. It might have just been the ball was getting around type thing. And he puts passes across. No one throws that cross field pass across their body like Schreiber does. As he's coming down the right side of the field, here's the cage. He's coming down the right side of the field. Goalie's facing this way and sees a guy over here. He will put that pass on a rope across the field, hit that guy right in the box and score. His ability to kind of just throw that ball while on the run, while taking punishment, and then still deliver a dime from 15, 20, 25 yards. It's second to none. The guy, his feeding ability is absolutely insane. So that's one of the big things that I liked about Schreiber was that he's a weird midfielder. He's a, he's a prototypical midfielder, but he's a weird midfielder in his ability to generate offense like an attackman, but from the midfield side of the field. It's, it's truly, truly something to see. And because... We are short on news. I mean, this is going to be just a short episode today, so that's really it. No, I'm not going to talk about everything else. 
that's going on in the world. No, I'm not going to talk about that weird thing, the weird word that starts with a V. There's like a C and a V involved in it. Not going to talk about that. Not going to talk about any of the protests or the looting or any of that. Um, at this stage, I'm just trying to work, get back to life, and uh, raise some children. So no, you know, no controversy out of me. I'm not going to belittle anyone, and I'm not going to speak up for anyone at this stage here. And I don't mean speak up. That's a bad word. What I mean is I'm just not going to get into the hubbub of all of that. It's already happening in the press. You don't need it for me. Let's just stick with lacrosse because that is what I know. And the Teat stuff is great. I'm really excited. We're all going to get to see some Jeff Teat come back. We need that in the lacrosse world. I can't wait for my other the other lacrosse podcasts that I listen to to come back. I see the, the crease dive had taken a little bit of a hiatus. I know the Inside Lacrosse podcast have been rolling a little bit, but without all the news, things are getting a little bit boring. Uh, I thank you guys for listening to me ramble uh, through all of this crap as we haven't had a whole lot to talk talk about. And I am not going to guarantee that I'll be back Thursday because if there's not news, we might as well just not do this outside of maybe I do come back and do another one on Thursday, just uh, sticking with the PLL stuff. Either way, I can't decide. So as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the crap out of this with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones, because this really is just the, the most important lacrosse podcast on the face of the planet Earth. We're doing really important work here at, uh, at Lax Factor in my uh, basement office. You can actually see here we're remodeling a little bit. So I've got the crap off the wall. Everything's repainted. Trim was down. Floor is out. So I'm, I'm afraid I might even have some weird audio echo here today, but we'll see. So that is it. As always, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Be sure to share the podcast with your friends. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Hoost is out. Mm-hmm.